So hello everyone and welcome back to Sustainability Uncovered, ED's long-running podcast series dedicated to giving the world's changemakers access to the latest trends and insights in the world of corporate sustainability. I'm ED's content editor Matt Mace and it's my great pleasure to welcome you back to The Green Room. That's right, one of our favourite podcast features has returned. Uh, For those that don't remember, because it has been a while, The Green Room is our full-length podcast feature where we sit down with some of the biggest names in sustainability and navigate their minds to find out what makes them tick, get out of bed in the morning, and what excites them about the challenges ahead. I'm delighted to say that I'm joined by PNG's Chief Sustainability Officer, Virginie Helias. So, Virginie, thank you so much uh, for joining me, or I should say for letting me join you in your um, podcast broadcast studio in your offices which do put our podcast studio to shame I must admit. <laughs> it's great to see you uh, thanks for having me as well in your podcast well we what I want to do is kind of like I said very much learn a bit about you and what kind of drives you as a sustainability professional because our audience the people who listen to this are, are kind of CSOs or, or maybe not as senior but certainly want to kind of replicate what you've been able to achieve in your career. And I suppose a good place to start is, is where it all began and how you got into an industry that probably um, was quite fledgling when um, it started out. Corporate sustainability as a, as a function is not as long-standing as other corporate functions like financial officer or technology officer. So how did you get into corporate sustainability? I actually didn't get into it, but I'll tell you the story. <laughs> so um, I, uh, I got into marketing. That's why I joined PNG 35 years ago. Um, and I did marketing and innovation for 23 years. And so, you know, working on different categories, different countries, regions. And then my kind of my last job, line job on the business was um, in Europe, um, working on the Fabricare category on Ariel. And Ariel at the time, now we are in 2003, was in very bad shape. It was losing market share. It was losing relevance for consumers. So I had to find an idea that could kind of revitalize the business. So I tested many consumer ideas. And the one that popped to the top was, Ariel cleans so well, you can wash your clothes in low temperature. It really resonated with people. And especially at the time, I said also, if you do that, you will see saving on your electricity bill. And it was in mid-2000, and the prices of electricity were skyrocketing. And um, so great marketing idea, did really well in the business, turned the business around. And it was just a marketing idea for me. Now, in 2005, something happened that would kind of shatter my beliefs, and that was the launch of Al Gore's movie, The Inconvenient Truth. It was the first time I heard about global warming, and, and I was personally really struck. I took my whole team to watch the movie, and, uh, and we sat there. I said, wow, amazing. But I couldn't connect global warming with the job I was doing until that day where... I was talking with my, one of my colleagues, an environmental uh, steward, we called them at the time, and he was explaining to me the concept of life cycle analysis, where you take a product and, you know, you look at its impact from cradle to grave, so from the raw material extraction up until the time where you dispose of it. And so I asked him, well, so for detergent, how does it look like? What's the life cycle analysis? And he said, well, 80% of the carbon footprint comes from the temperature of the washing machine. And I said, wow, so what I've just done on the business is one of the best uh, initiatives that really turned around the business. At the same time, it was the single most important thing I could have done to reduce the footprint of my brand. And I said, there is something in sustainability that I really like. I mean, it's like this win-win thing. 
And so from that day, I started to um, volunteer for sustainability projects. I mean, we we launched Future Friendly at the time. For those who may remember, in the UK, it was pretty successful for several years. It was kind of a multi-brand initiative, you know. Uh, and so I did a few things, uh, but it was really on the side of my main job until that day, and we're in 2011 now, where I said, okay, I need really to majorly upskill myself because this is too important. So I decided to go to this uh, training. It's called One Planet Leaders, WWF and IMD in Lausanne. And for a full week, I was there with uh, practitioners. I was the only one coming from the business. And at the end of the week, when, you know, everybody says, okay, this is my take key takeaway, I said, I stood there and I said, I will make sustainability my job. I had reckoned that the impact I could have, you know, by developing innovation of AIL versus making PNG more sustainable, I mean, it would be no match. I mean, I, and, and so I'm one that believes that once you are set in your mind, kind of the universe um, organized to uh, help you deliver your goals, you know. And so two weeks after this uh, seminar, this training, I flying to Cincinnati, I asked to meet with the CEO. So he gave me 20 minutes. And in 20 minutes, I kind of said, you know, there is a business opportunity that we have, which is to create um, a position which will be coming, someone coming from the business, which would make the transition, the bridge between the science of sustainability. And we had a group of environmental scientists. We had them for a long time. I mean, we were one of the pioneers in life cycle analysis and in water safety and all these things, but no connection with the business. And I said, we need to make uh, this bridge. And uh, I had developed a job description. And he looked at that and he said, it's interesting. I, I do believe that this is something that's coming. I said, yes. And actually I want that job. And he said, okay. And so from that day, 2011, I became marketing director of sustainability. Nobody knew what that was, <laughs> had no expectation. The only thing I knew I wanted to do was to make sustainability an integral part of how we build brands, how we innovate our culture, all our business practices. And, you know, now like 12 years later, when I look back, I said, well, I mean, it's, it's amazing. I mean, now you can't go to a business meeting without mentioning sustainability. It's completely built in. Well, that's actually what I was going to ask, because it's amazing that you mentioned back in 2003 about the energy crisis, um, prices and how that was really impacting consumers. And it's certainly something that's happened back again. Back today, and, yeah. and we are doing again, yeah. you know, Ariel, uh, you know, cold wash. I mean, it's still very relevant for people. Absolutely. And I suppose what I want to ask is, even though there's still a lot of similarities and, and certainly in terms of engaging consumers on it, it's still probably you're trying to, to kind of jump through the hoops to make that connection. Over that time period, um, since you kind of took on the sustainability uh, function within your own job title, what, what have you seen has been the biggest change and, and not necessarily to your kind of day-to-day -day job, but just in terms of the corporate sustainability mm. movement that we find ourselves in? What, mm. you know, what's been the biggest change and, and has it surprised you about how quickly it's changed? I think there was, and, and I think what I've noticed externally, I mean, that was I experienced internally. I mean, the, the first part of the job, I mean, for me was establishing the business case. Why is it important for business to pay attention to this and, and to start, you know, integrating into, uh, into their business? And I did that for quite some time. I mean, it was um, taking, and my, my aerial story was one, very compelling story, but I was also borrowing from outside. I had the Tesla case. I had explaining how you can basically have it all, how you can grow your business and reduce your footprint, you know, how you can grow markets in a responsible way. And so 
I, I spent a lot of time and, and not with everyone because I had decided that I would work with the one who were already convinced. There, there's so much to do, so many people to work with. I said, I want to work with my coalition of the willing, which was my 1% of people. And I said, I could get with those people to the tipping point, which we basically reached in 2018. But so I, I worked with those people establishing the business case. Um, and everybody was trying to do the same, you know, what's working, you know, trial and errors and, and, and it was really change management. You know, I'm, I'm, when I give this masterclass on how do you engage your leadership on sustainability, I use this, what was my reference book, you know, for all these years, which is called Switch. You know, how do you drive change when things are hard? Mm. And, and it's a wonderful way. I mean, it's not sustainability, but it's change management. And I apply, you know, all of those techniques to really uh, drive change uh, in a big company like PNG. And so after that, um, it was really the time of the what. After the why, it was the what. And the what was, what do we need to do? And it was really the time of setting goals. And that, that took quite some time. And again, I mean, externally was the same. What are the right goals? Sounds best target, you know. Um, you know, how do you do it? What, what do you prioritize? And, and so we started having goals in, in 2007. So it was before um, I was on the job. But those goals were more communication goals. It was like taking credit of what we were doing anyway. They were not transformative goals, you know, that we had in, uh, a few years after. So, so the big, I think, transformation was in 2018 when we launched our Ambition 2030. So mm -hmm. because those goals were owned by the business, that was the difference. It was not just some corporate, you know, commitment. It was really accountability in the business. And that's what helped with the integration. And so 2018, 2019, 2020, each business figuring out how you are going to, to reach the goals, having plans, having glide paths. And then now we're entering this phase, which is the how. And it's really um, uh, delivering playbooks. You know, how yeah. do you do it? Because it's so hard, you know. How do you reconcile all these different objectives? How do you re reconcile all the different agendas of the constituents that you need to meet the needs of? So for us, it's our consumers, retailers, employees, share owners, and society at large, you know, uh, NGOs and others. So how do you reconcile that? Um, how do you reconcile, you know, making the cost saving that you need for, you know, more productivity uh, and uh, delivering sustainability, which often implies uh, additional investment, uh, technology that are more expensive because they don't benefit from the economies of scales that you have on your existing technology. So all this is hard. And, and that's why, you know, the way we uh, visualize uh, our business strategy is really this house, which has been so helpful because it shows the four pillars that we have, climate, waste, water and nature, and that's great. And we have science-based target for all those uh, different aspects. But the most important to me is the roof, mm. because the roof is how do you create value by advancing your sustainability goals? And the way we articulate it is by saying, improving lives for now and generation to come, which is PNG purpose. And then we added through irresistible superiority that is more sustainable. And this is how you leverage your innovation to, uh, uh, help people reduce their footprint, to reduce our own footprint, but help people reduce their footprint with no trade-off and irresistible superior and more sustainable at the same time. So we really leverage PNG capability and strengths of innovation and consumer understanding to deliver that. I think you made a really good point when you said it's about moving on to the, the how now. And I think <clears throat> a lot of businesses are now kind of aware of the, the what and the why. The IPCC reports have kind of birthed that kind of science-based targets movement off the back of it as well. And I think I'm, my personal opinion is that any 
business that says it's responsible, you know, a prerequisite of that would be science-based targets and, and net zero targets, or at least a commitment to do so. <clears throat> and we're definitely seeing that that's coming more mainstream, certainly the setting of those targets. I suppose what I want to ask you, though, is that is corporate sustainability being mainstream a good thing? Because it shows that we're trying to fix something that's broken. Would it, wouldn't it be better if, if actually sustainability as a function wasn't needed in a business because it was just embedded so holistically that it was part of every decision? Sustainability being mainstream is a good thing because, you know, we need, everyone needs to do it. I mean, it's so complicated and so hard that we need to collaborate. We need to have every employee in a company doing it, mm. you know, and, and, and actually we track that. We have an employee survey every year. We just got the results for this year. We ask one question, which is, is sustainability a business priority for your organization? This year's number, 78%, and it's growing every year. So very, very strong. It's built in. So the... The sustainability function ultimately should disappear mm. because it's integrated. And I always say my, my career goal is to obsolete my job, you know, when it's not needed anymore. There's a great analogy with digital. You know, digital used to be this afterthought, separate track. And, you know, when I was doing marketing, the marketing plan was, what's your TV copy? And then at the end, oh, by the way, what do you do on digital? Now marketing is digital. So I think that's the same evolution that, that we are seeing on sustainability. Um, now we still need, because I talked about the how, it's so complicated that we still need some center of expertise, you know, helping the, the business uh, navigate uh, this very, very complex uh, uh, space. Because there is not just the, how do you do it internally, mm. there is how do you... Uh, embrace the different voices externally, how to choose what to prioritize. Now there is regulation, there is, you know, the activists, there is the, um, the employees who are, I mean, all expectation growing across the investors. And, and it's, it's important that you have people who can, you know, look across, have the, the line of sight, the visibility, and can, can help our business navigate that. And as you look across um, and you see more kind of pressure coming from those different stakeholders, investors demanding change, consumers wanting change, um, and I'm probably sure there's some kind of um, competitors in the market that are driving change that you're trying to keep a pace with or vice versa, you're doing it to them as well. And all of that under this massive umbrella of we are in this crisis, a, a climate crisis, an ecological crisis as well, these, these kind of mega trends really putting pressure on society. As someone whose core function is to essentially play, get their organization to play their part in solving that, how do you avoid burnout when, I mean, as a journalist, I, I cover this and there's, it's very easy to write all the bad news that's happening. The IPCC reports, for example, we are kind of in this window where we're running out of time, alarm bells for humanity, the kind of doom scrolling you can do on social media just by looking at it. How, how do you kind of switch your mindset to this kind of optimistic problem solver? Yeah. How, how is that done? That's a great question. I, I draw from my personal life. And my personal life, I have this approach that I look at things through three lenses. The first one is the thing I can control, then the one I can influence, and the one that uh, I cannot do either or. And I have a different approach to that. So the, the one I can control is, for instance, preventing care. You know, mm. I take a lot of care of what I eat, you know, how I exercise, and... And I think I can do a lot, you know, to, to control that. I have a, a very, very strict time management. For instance, I take care of my own calendar, which is very unique, you know, because my time is like very precious and I think I'm the best equipped to know how to prioritize it. I have a very sense, a very strong sense of my boundaries. So 
you know, what I control, I, I work on this. Um, what I influence, so like my relationship, my, my kids, with my, my family, with my coworker, um, I'm also very clear on what I can influence. And then what I cannot do any of this thing, well, something else happened and I can't do anything, then, then so I have a strong face, so that's very helpful for me. So, you know, and so the analogy in, in the business field is uh, actually it mirrors how we look at our impact at PNG. It's what we can control and we prioritize that and it's reducing our footprint in our operation. It's reducing our footprint on the, the element of packaging and, and, and product that we control. Then what we can influence innovation that enables people to reduce their footprint. And, and we work on that as a big responsibility. And then there is the rest that is just too big for us. So I'm not saying on this, we, we just pray, you know, <laughs> but on this, what we do is that we collaborate. And, and that's the, it's a whole new level of collaboration that we are doing. And I would lo lose hope if we didn't have that. And I'm hopeful when I look at the radical collaboration that we are now doing. I mean, I, I could, cite many examples, but one of them is, is related to innovation. You know, we used to have PNG, uh, uh, what our CEO calls the kind of a closed arm approach to innovation, very protective of our IP, mm. you know, and now we are moving into this open arm innovation where, for instance, you know, some of our in innovation that we've done on, on uh, uh, developing a, um, a recycled polypropylene that is uh, a near virgin quality, you know, a technology that then you can reuse it in many, many applications. We are open sourcing this, this, uh, this innovation so that everybody can use it. It's, it's new, it's a really different way to work for us. So we've created um, the first product supply innovation center in Kronburg, Germany, where we work with the ecosystem, the academia, the startups, the, our peers, to fast forward net zero solutions. And we work that, you know, as, as a collaborative ecosystem. So for me, that's what gives me hope, is that knowing that we are all on this together and there is such an, an energy and a momentum uh, to get to those solutions. And, and PNG is actually opening up big times and, and kind of uh, uh, having this, uh, um, we will be successful only if everybody is successful, which I think is it's a beautiful new a way to look at business and, and that gives me a lot of hope no absolutely I, I completely agree and you, you mentioned earlier like when you started out you kind of gathered this coalition of the willing this kind of one percent around you to really drive this now and, and as corporate sustainability and just understanding from consumers about the climate crisis has hit this critical mass that that coalition's much bigger now do you, do you still think that those are the people that's kind of worth your time to engage with or for that kind of minority that are still kind of um not taking this as seriously as they need to. Do you think there's scope for sustainability leaders to to try and break down their walls and so that everyone is on board and we don't have these very few but influential um, barriers to, to stopping yes. change? You know, when I was doing my kind of um, two, three years, I, I was doing my internal stakeholder mapping to understand actually where our leaders were and what could be, and it was a very one-on-one -on -one type of uh, interaction because I, Sustainability is a very personal thing and, and your motivations can be very diverse. So I had people who were saying, I, I want to do this because of the legacy. I want um, to leave my, my grandchildren, for instance. Some were saying, well, I want just a differentiating idea to grow my business. And I was taking any motivation was good, you know, to drive action. What I'm seeing now more and more is that it's the vast majority because something happened also internally, which the CEO declared it was one of the four strategic priorities. So very, very clear. 
And it's now since 2021, um, executive compensation is tied to uh, sustainability performance. And so that makes a lot of difference. I mean, it's a huge statement. It's not that everybody is driven by that, but it's just a huge statement that it is not voluntary anymore. It used to be voluntary. It used to be driven by passion, and I have this passionate leader driving it. Now it's a business mandate, very clearly. That's great. And I think a lot of the people who are listening to this right now are probably just starting out on their sustainability journey. Um, they might have just you know, entry level into a, yeah. into a business working underneath a, um, a CSO, or maybe they're kind of just a graduate looking for a job. What would, if you could go back and speak to your former self as you started out, maybe not when you were kind of in marketing, but when you finally took on that sustainability aspect, it, it, would you kind of have a piece of advice that you'd go back and, and tell yourself? Mm. I would say um, the motto that I developed for my personal life uh, later on uh, is like, would be totally relevant for this, which is brave, not perfect. Uh, I think uh, in that case, like in many, but perfection stands, you know, in the way of, of progress and you know, I remember a discussion with some of our leaders saying, yeah, but I, I can't really talk about this great sustainable thing that we are doing because we have other things in our lineup which is less sustainable. And I said, no, you, you get started somewhere, you know, and, and you will see how it's doing well in the market and it will give you, you know, momentum for doing the rest. So really get started somewhere. So that's the first thing. And the second thing is... Um, don't try to invent it alone. Everything has been now invented. And so steal from others. And steal from, you know, what your peers are doing, but also join communities like the Eddy community, like the Sustainable Brands community, because they have um, a lot of tools in their toolbox. They have a lot of ways to get you started. And, and really those communities are very generous. You know, they, they want, they, they work on the same, for the same cause and they want to share because also they realize that it's when everybody's doing that we are really moving things. So all uh, boats rise, you know, and that, that's really, so, so they should feel good because um, they can fast forward their, their, their journey because so much is already happening and there are so many good willing people who are uh, happy to help. Well, thank you for the free plug there as well. That was very, <laughs> very kind. Um, and in terms of, um, away from work when you it's clear to see how kind of passionate you are about this and you kind of very much live and, and breathe it which is which is great to actually speak to someone that's incredibly genuine about this but is there anything you kind of do in your spare time just to unwind and take your mind off not necessarily the progress you're making but just all those external factors we spoke about earlier is there is there kind of a, a hobby that just lets you escape it all i'm a runner uh, so i'm a marathon runner no, i don't do marathon but i i learned that when when you've done marathon, you are a marathon runner for life. So I'm still saying I'm a marathon runner, but I run a lot. And it's absolutely amazing. I mean, running, publicity for running now, it works at every single level. Obviously, the physical level. I mean, the emotional level. And it, as you say, I mean, there, there is stress in the job. I mean, there is pressure. There is, and like you let go of everything. And for me, mentally, this is where I get my best ideas. So I think, you know, if I, I could go two hours during a work day running, it's a good deal for the company because I come back with amazing ideas. Well, I'm a, I've done one marathon in my life and don't think I've got another one in me, but it's nice to know I'm <laughs> technically a marathon runner. <laughs> yes, now, but, you are. But no, I agree. <laughs> my, my, head, my head gets completely cleared when, mm. I, when I run and the best ideas that I usually come up with for my work yeah. come from there as well. So there you go, advice to go uh, run in there. And Virginia, final question then, and it is just that we spent a lot of time looking back at what you've done and, and the achievements you've done so far. Looking ahead, 
um, what are the kind of big milestones that you really want to um, try and achieve that you would kind of um, then maybe look back on next time we caught up and think actually that was a, that was a real big achievement in my career and for me now it's not about meeting the goals because we know that we have enough people who are trying to figure it out it's re really about going the next generation of leaders you know it's, it's how the next generation is going to take that on and be much better than what we are and so spending a lot of time you know with my team speaking to uh, some our organization along of the younger uh, you hire, the younger uh, people in the organization are obviously very eager. They have very high expectations. So how can I help equip them so that they can um, do the growing the business and reducing their footprint as one thing? Brilliant. Um, well, we are fresh out of time. I know how busy um, you are. I've just been talking to you about how, how busy it sounds. So I'm not going to take any more time from you. But thank you so much for speaking to me today and for the insight that you've provided for our listeners today. Thank you, Matt. It was a pleasure. And The Green Room will be returning throughout 2023. We'll be making um, more of our traditional Sustainability Uncovered format next month. So I'll be back in the uh, studio alongside Luke Sarah and Jade for our next episode but do keep a look out for future green room episodes until then goodbye <laughs>